What's up, world? Welcome to the Mike Mantel Podcast. This is your host and friend, Mike. This podcast is a space where I'm exploring the consciousness movement, the intimacy movement, the personal growth movement, where those three worlds intersect, and getting to know the worldviews and journeys of different big bosses in each of those realms. Today I spoke with the founders of the Light Dark Institute, Tawny and Leslie. Hot diggity dog, man. This was uh, this was a wild conversation. Uh, really, really cool. They told me their story of how they met and how their relationship unlocked deep realms within their spiritual understandings and and they became this interesting intermingled intermingled couple where each other's dark shadows were empowering each other into their fullest potential and they just started to access such degrees of power and freedom of expression that their work just took on a life of its own people noticed and they started making offerings to help other people tap into their own darkness so we talked about their journey we talked about what it mean what darkness means we talked about how to access those parts of ourselves talked about different dark archetypes that exist within each of us and i have so much appreciation for this conversation because for me it was really foundational in linking up some of these different worlds i've been exploring and tanya and leslie link up the worlds of shadow exploration and BDSM so well with the worlds of spiritual growth and conscious empowerment. So it was really far out. I'm so glad I got the opportunity to talk with these two, and I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. I originally actually met Tani at a wedding, at Dave Burns's wedding. He was a previous guest on this show, and she always just kind of, we talked about her work a little bit there, and it just really stuck out to me. And um, so I've just kind of had an eye on, on them for a while and just curious what they've been up to. Yeah, and you, my friend listening, I really want to thank you for listening to this podcast and supporting it in any way that you have, even if that is just you being here in this moment right now. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the podcast in other ways, you can give it a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen you can share an episode, maybe even this episode, with somebody in your life. Those would be two supreme ways to support me, and I would be super duper grateful. I also want to give a shout out to Will Lowry for making the song that is being played underneath my speaking right now. You can find him on SoundCloud at SoundCloud backslash the lowrider with a Y. That's all I got for you, and I wish you the best of luck in exploring your own inner darkness and the parts of yourself that perhaps there's less permission for. It's been a hell of a journey for me <laughs> getting to know those parts of myself and letting them come out into my life in different ways, and uh, I wish you the most joy in your own journey of illuminating darkness. All right, without further ado, I bring you Leslie and Tawny of the Light Dark Institute. Enjoy! For starters, I was wondering, 
I'm I'm certainly curious to dive into both of your stories and the co fusion of your life and spiritual paths and where that's taking you. But I was wondering just for starters if each of you could just um introduce yourself in whatever whatever feels appropriate or, or relevant there. Uh well I'll start. Um, my name is Leslie Rogers. I am co-owner and founder of the Light Dark Institute. And I'm a teacher and a, uh, a, a kind of play artist, I would call it. Like I, I create experiences and help, uh, help others create experiences that help, that, 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 that create the kind of permission and openings for a bigger range or bigger experience, bigger embodiment of, of the shadow of the darker parts of themselves. That's my favorite thing, but really it's a, it's, it's almost like, a, um, you know, I, I, I almost would call myself a performance artist except that it's, I'm, I'm teaching others to be performance artists and it's not about a performance. It's about living life. That's that's where I found myself to be. And Tony and I, um, we founded the Light Dark Institute about four and a half years ago. And we met about four and a half years ago, a little more than four and a half years ago. It's kind of like the founding thing in our relationship. Um, uh, just to give a little bit of context, Tani, when I met her, um, was looking for a 24-7 dominant partner to control her life and everything about it and was very clear in her desire for this and I was very drawn to her but uh didn't know exactly what that meant <laughs> or how that would ever be but I wasn't really seeing myself as the one to fulfill that for her either but I was also very drawn to her so we connected a couple of times and um I had a kind of like awakening one night with her that um, was like a dark awakening where um, this is before her and I had really, we went from zero to a hundred basically like we knew each other. We weren't in a relationship and then we were like more than married and in, in a night. <laughs> it's like, like so such an extreme thing came through both of us. And, and I felt this, I, what happened is I felt this like dark lust coming up inside of me. And at this point, like up until this point, I had been really doing the work to basically like just get out of my shell, get out of all the ways that I prevent myself from using my voice, from meeting people, the, the fears I have about humans, my fear of rejection, this being a nice person, trying loved and liked in order to like get what I want chipping away at that for a long time and it had some I mean it was an amazing journey it was beautiful but what happened in this one night where this dark lust rose up inside of me and I took Tani by the hand and led her into both of us into an experience with myself of parts of myself that I had no idea were there like the sadism a little of like just domination, like break, like break off the, it wasn't, I own a person, I am a God. And I, 
saying you are like you are my talisman you are my object like it was a complete uh something came through me that i that i that i you know identified with this body but i none most of me didn't identify with it but through its eyes i got to see a world outside of my defenses and programs and got to see me being completely fearless of human interaction and all the things that come with uh being human and <laughs> i didn't feel human <laughs> which was part of it you know and tani and i entered into this relationship that immediately began uh impacting people all around us because they were so shocked that we were existing so far outside of the normal power ranges or social conditioning things that are allowed in relationship or for even for two humans to be participating in that um our whole community was so impacted by that that we started seeing people having the transformations that we were having which was like so huge because it was like you get it was like chipping away chipping away and then i just opened the door from the other side of myself like oh there you are <laughs> and i looked at all those like little defensive programs that i had it's just like this is so small so insignificant so meaningless like why would i ever like i've experienced my experiencing myself as this one all of those defenses are nothing so there's this massive transformational process and like drew out all kinds of parts of me i didn't even know were there it's like a torrent like a dam broke and and then as people as we started connecting with the people around us the community they started seeing us we saw torrents breaking open in them because they were having experiences with themselves that you know we were upgrading a, a field of permission for them to and and be and then they would have that experience and embody and be like oh that's me i actually am that i can't believe it so that's that's basically we we, we really we were both um i was a coach and tani was an energy healer and we both uh were really interested in transformation um but this the, what was coming through us is so much more powerful than anything we'd ever experienced so that's what led us to create the light dark institute wow cool dude thank you that was a really uh neat tale to be taken on tani i'm curious did you have this like a similar level of potency of awakening that night um or or i'm curious what, what your experience was if it also felt like dams being ripped open or if that was more on leslie's end of the experience great that's a great question thank you question <laughs> <laughs> um so i guess in order to answer that i want to share a little bit of backstory on myself um so i you know like leslie we're both we're both deep explorers of life we're both people who are really passionate about understanding ourselves understanding the people around us understanding the world around us and also just being in the mystery and the unknown of it all both really revel in that and I think always have our whole lives and for for me that journey of being just fascinated with life and existence took me to a lot of it included a lot of explorations of extremes I was very drawn to the extreme polarities of both light and dark throughout really my whole life there were ways that I was very much drawn into darkness like i you know through explorations of of drug addiction and like uh you know being kind of on the real political fringe or or cultural fringes like punk rock and 
you know, really extreme kind of political views and um, like occult spirituality. Like I've been through, there's just been always this kind of seduction that darkness has held for me. But then also this light side, you know, people kind of sometimes talk to me about having this like fairy-like quality. And I've had a number of spiritual awakenings in my life where I've gone into this place of like just pure bliss and love and everything is perfect. And then I've also had this side that really wanted to like, you know, help the world in different ways, like serve humanity, serve nature, serve, you know, be, be a servant for, for good, for healing, whatever it is. So there's been these kind of extreme sides in my life. And up until that point where Leslie and I came together, I was really baffled about how to <laughs> not even, we're not even like how to actually weave those two together, but how to even let them coexist in this same person right <laughs> it, it felt very confusing right. when, when i'd be in my more like yeah you know light oriented healer transformational loving side there were there it was like but wait how is there room in this same being for this like one who craves kinky like craves being dominated craves being ground into the floor and <laughs> you know, humiliated, like, how did, what, how did these even go together? And I had, I had, I had some really interesting ins and outs through that exploration. There was a point where I actually had completely sworn off my dark side, which is a really interesting thing. If anybody you know, wants to try that, it was, it was a very interesting period. I actually did it for like three, three and a half years. I'm curious if you wouldn't mind a micro tangent, what, what happened there that caused the darkness swear off? Well, so like I said, darkness has had a lot of different uh, ways that it's appeared in my life and it's it, there are different aspects of it that have drawn to me but one of them that's been present actually since very young childhood for me is these kind of dark kinky sexual fantasies and I didn't realize it was actually beyond sexual at the time I was aware of it as a sexual thing but it's actually much more than that there it was you know like Leslie was saying the desire that I had arrived at by the time we met was a desire to be controlled like have my entire life controlled 24 7 and I had been aware of those fantasies from young childhood and they confused me like crazy because I, I was in particular drawn to being dominated. I have since discovered that I have a very powerful dominant side myself, although earlier on I wasn't as aware of that. Um, but I was raised, I was actually one of the first children born to lesbian mothers using a donor for a father. And I was raised in the queer community. I was raised surrounded by like very strong, empowered women, like, like tons of them. I had aunties coming out my ears. You know, I was like really, really raised in a strong power, a, a field of strong, powerful women. And I had a lot of like confusion and shame around my desires to be humiliated. And I, I identify as primarily straight, and my, the desire was to be humiliated by men or dominated or controlled by men. And it was like, where is that coming from? That is so anathema to how I was raised. And so, you know, just like, is this wrong? Am I, am I sick? Is there something wrong with me? There was a lot of confusion there for me when I was younger. And I had had some run-ins with the kink community itself and just felt kind of scared off by that. It was like, a, I don't know. I, I don't know about those people. I feel scared. So I didn't really delve into it very intentionally or consciously, but I kept trying to turn my partner's kinky. <laughs> I, you know, anytime I'd wind up in a relationship, I kept trying to kind of draw that darker dominant side in my partners with 
degrees of success. Sometimes I just got myself into really dysfunctional relationships using that as my radar. And sometimes I actually was able to find partners who wanted to explore those places with me. But basically at one point I got into a relationship where we were actually touching on the psychological aspects of, so in, so in kink, there's, I mean, the whole BDSM acronym, we could break that down, but basically DS, domination and submission is the, the psychological territory, really exploring like power, one person taking power over another. And that was the part that I realized had the most draw for me. It isn't even about the physical, like you don't even have to, you don't even have to be in the same physical space, but it's really about that psychological exploration of one person taking power over another. And so I found a partner that was, um, that was really willing to go there with me. And it wound up being this really fulfilling thing for, for this part of me that had been so hungry for that for years and years and years. But I didn't realize at that point because I hadn't had any training in these things and I, I, you know, I was still so confused and had a lot of shame and a lot of doubts about it in myself. So I didn't really know how to take care of myself well and like use my safe words and actually take, stick up for my needs. And so I knew that there were things happening in that relationship. A lot of it felt really good to me. And then there were some things that actually felt really bad and off, but I didn't take care of myself. I didn't stick up for my needs. And basically when the relationship ended, it wound up ending in a way that really kind of kicked off all those spots that had felt bad and sent me into like a deep sort of self-esteem crash where I, you know, I thought it like, I, I just started believing a lot of stories about myself and, and kind of tailspun around the ending of that relationship. And at that point I was like, okay, there's my proof. This kink stuff is bad for me. I was right all along with those doubts, the, the part of me that thought that this is bad. See, I just got scorched. I'm not gonna do that anymore. And so I swore off kink specifically and with it sort of swore off all darkness and like really intentionally it was like no books or music or movies or anything that's like dark or downer or anything it was just like i'm going towards the light i'm going towards pure love and light and i'm just gonna kind of ignore all of those darker impulses which obviously if you're going towards love and light like and you can't love the darker parts of yourself you're really missing something i didn't quite get that at the time that's sure. now but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at this yeah, yeah. time i hadn't quite realized that <laughs> and so i swore off half of myself yeah. and you know with it unsurprisingly a lot got lost like i my sex drive completely died and i thought that you know i thought that that was just coincidental i was like oh maybe i'm meant to be on a vow of celibacy right now so i went on a vow of celibacy <laughs> And I just totally went towards this, you know, light and healing trajectory. And it was a really powerful time in my life. I did actually, like, there was a lot of, of powerful inner work that I did during that time. But I didn't know, I actually didn't notice that over the course of those years, it was like I, I was getting kind of dried up inside. There was like this shriveling that was taking place around my life force. It was like all my energy was like out in the universe, in the light, but there wasn't actually a lot home in my body. And there was a way that I was just kind of getting progressively like, like drier inside, like more like kind of like dried crinkly leaf. And so the point at which that shifted for me was I was actually out. Um, I was just partner dancing. I love partner dancing. And I was out partner dancing one night and happened to dance a few dances with, with somebody who had a very like assertive way of talking to me. And when I was on my way home that night, I was getting into my car and the thought just crossed 
I, I wonder if he's a dom. Like, I wonder if he's somebody who's intentionally explored domination in, in the kinky sense. And literally just thinking that thought, it was like the crack in the dam that suddenly blew open. And all of a sudden, all of these like feelings and thoughts and sensations just flooded into me about, about pink and like darkness and erotic aliveness. And it was like somebody had flipped the breaker switch. Like my whole body lit up with so much energy and so much aliveness. And it was just like, oh my God, like this is what it feels like. I forgot. This is what it feels like to have a body. This is what it feels like to be alive. This is what it feels like to have desire and lust and passion and juice. Like I actually have juice in my system and I hadn't even realized it was gone. But in that moment when it came back online so suddenly, I was sitting there in my car just like dumbfounded with this, this just zinging energy pulsing through my veins. And finally was like, okay, I don't get what this whole thing is about darkness and kink and why I'm so drawn to it, but whatever it is, this cannot be bad for me. I feel alive. I didn't even realize I had died inside. And now I feel alive again after these three and a half years of denying half of myself. It's time to stop playing that game and start really consciously looking at this and really intentionally exploring what's here because all I know is this cannot be bad for me. I'm finally alive again. And so that was the point when I really intentionally chose to turn towards darkness, turn towards kink, turn towards like exploring what, why is it that the darkness in all its myriad forms has this seduction for me and why is it that it makes me feel alive? And so at that point, I started doing a lot more research around kink and around different forms of darkness. And that was the point that I decided I wanted to, which Leslie mentioned when he was at the beginning, that I, I decided I wanted to actually find a partner who was willing to really explore those spots with me in a conscious and overt way so that we could find, like, what's the thing here? What's the real magic that's here? Right. And, but you wanted it as a 24 set, like a complete. Yeah, because I wanted to really, like, find out. I mean, there, there were ways that I, had considered myself dysfunctional and I, you know, at the time I was a single mom, I was really overwhelmed. I, you know, I had a lot, <laughs> it's a, it's a lot being a single mom. And there, I, I was like, I was aware. It was like, Oh, I can see that if somebody could actually come in and take, cause I would spin out on decisions or things that like, I really don't need to put nearly that much thought into. And it was like, I kind of was getting the inkling, like if somebody could come in and actually take those, take those decisions away from me, and make them for me. And all I had to do is surrender because I love to surrender. Like, I love to just let go into being. And all the, all the awakenings that I'd had and all the spiritual work that I'd done, I had really gotten in touch with that, that I really, at my core, I have this deep gift of just letting go into being. But I can get really controlling and get really spun out on like, but it's got to be, everything's got to be just right before I surrender. <laughs> you know, um, And that still plays out in my life in ways. but but. At the time, it was like I had this understanding that if I can just really let go into somebody else holding the reins, I could actually begin to touch those exquisite places of surrender that I so crave, where I could just come into being, human being, not human doing. And I got this sense that if I could find someone who, who had the desire that complemented mine, who had the desire to have that level of power and to follow their desire and be able to shape another person, that there could be real magic there. So that was what I was looking for when Leslie and I met. And I was very overt about the fact that that was what I was looking for. I was not interested in just another relationship. Um, 
and and he already shared about the you know what lit up for him around that and so yeah that first night when he he claimed me essentially we were I was when he took my hand we were we were at a retreat I was again dancing seems to come into this I was on the dance floor and he when when that dark lust came over him and which was essentially that dominant force awakening in him and he came and took me by the hand and pulled me off the dance floor and we'd already talked about the possibility of playing in these ways together so there was some there was some sense that that might be possible but I wasn't at all sure that he would have the creature in him that I wanted to be controlled by. <laughs> and but sure enough it it emerged and emerged like beyond my wildest dreams and in the course of that night I mean it blew my mind because it was like everything that I'd been hoping for over those all the years that I'd been drawn to that, but not sure what it was. And that, that kind of being pulled between the light and the dark and not sure how they could merge together in that first night together. I like, we found it, you know, I mean, I was doing, he was dominating me, but I was doing like energy work on him while he was dominating me. And like, and just the level of transformation and possibility that opened for both of us. And for me in feeling him actually come in and take control and take ownership of all those parts of me that to be honest, I really didn't want to be in charge of. There was like this incredible release for me, incredible profound release of like, I can finally come home to myself because I don't have to worry about holding all these extra pieces that I actually don't really care about, but somehow get really fixated on trying to control. So yeah, it was incredibly, incredibly profound. And we just, we stepped into a level of relationship where it really like, it was like gods came through us. And it was incredibly, incredibly powerful. And like Leslie said, I mean, it was electrifying everybody around us. And it led within, within weeks to the inception of the Light Dark Institute and to us sharing this work with other people. Boy, thank you for, that was such a, um, I, I just felt so embodied I couldn't even help but to be embodied as I was listening to the enthusiasm that you were conveying that with. I'm curious about the work for sure, but I'm also wondering the um, the creature, I, I like that word, that came out of Leslie that night. Leslie, the way you were describing it, it almost sounded like you had surrendered your human vessel for some like being to move through you. I don't know if that's accurate of what it felt like, but that's what I was hearing at least. And I'm, I'm curious if, if you could like describe the energy moving through you, was it, um, did it have a cre like a creature animally form or did it have uh, an archetypal form or what, what was that thing that you were channeling? You know, and I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what he looks like from the outside, whatever that is coming through. Just, I know what it feels like from the inside. It's like, for me, the reason it feels like something other than me is because, you know, I, I was aware even then of many different parts of myself, younger parts and parts that want one thing and then other parts that want another. And, you know, just all, all the different ways that, that I, I've been dealing with and looking at different parts of myself in order to, like, find the parts I'm suppressing and what's, like, what's under there and all of that. But when this, this creature came through, I didn't have any context for him. He was pretty much, I mean, the only context I had for him, he was almost pretty much the opposite of everything I was taught that I should be deferential, 
I grew up as a Baha'i, like uh, equality men and women. You know, not not that this one sees anything. It's almost like he doesn't see the opposite of that. It's just that no one is equal to him. You know what I mean? So that 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 argument is moot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> that, that idea, that concept. It's not that he's not a feminist. It's that he doesn't. It's like there's no. Everything is beneath him, and this object here is is precious. And when he looks out over the world, he sees he sees ownership. He owns everything that he sees. Everybody, you know, and and the one he's most interested in is this one here. <laughs> you know, like this is the one that this is like the source. You know. Of everything and it you know on one level I could look at it and be like this is all just projected it was almost like it went so far into fantasy that it popped out into a deeper reality than anything I ever knew you know it was like oh this is what's possible to feel like this to feel my body and mind so aligned you know like like the 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 insp- the lust arises in me comes out of me and i'm doing it instantaneously there's no interruption between the two so like that when we describe it and in our work we've discovered many creatures inside of us you know it's an earlier younger part of ourselves sometimes it's something unfathomable but some of these creatures that come through really can show us like has shown me perspectives that i didn't know were possible and then inform the rest of me of like Oh, like I don't have to like I don't have to see the world from the from the kind of you know passed down idea of ownership and social conditioning that I've been given. I can see it in a totally new way. Like it like it recontextualizes things, gives me a whole different view, a whole different contrasting view to the way I can see it, see things. So so but this creature, yeah, I don't know. To me, the way I he's just pure dark energy, you know. It's fascinating for me to contemplate even like the idea of God, like, you know, because, because to him, the idea of God is just an idea and far beneath him. You know what I mean? There's nothing I can think that mm. was above him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He exists. Like, that's the only thing that, right. that is for sure. He exists. Huh. I mean, I'm, I'm just like grokking the potency of not only viewing life from the perspective of a being so different than your own human, but uh, inhabiting and like taking action from that place. I- I'm just seeing how much of a pers- how much perspective that can give. Okay, so you guys had this like amazing night, and it it evoked something and unlocked something deep within you, and then you founded the Light Dark Institute shortly after. Did you have a sense that this was going to be collaborative? Because it, to me, it sounds like your purposes, like kind of entangled in that night and synergized into some like I don't know m- mega purpose with each other. And w- was that clear that that was going to happen from the get go, or how did that part come about? Yeah, well, <laughs> what was clear to the creature coming through me is that this is my talisman to use as I. Build. Which he means me. It, you know, like she, I mean, she, she's just like this incredibly precious object. I almost didn't see a, a human there. Like, you didn't, like, and um, I immediately, like, this, what I, what he started doing immediately was basically like, 
any part of her that thought she was lesser than this object that he held her to be, which was pretty much most of Tony's thoughts were far less than what he saw her to be. Any part of her that felt not completely owned by him was an opportunity to push her into, you know, to like create the the thing that's going to make her like be like watch her become what I know her to be. So, so that Tani, you know, she hadn't really been doing her energy work because she hadn't gotten clients because she had a lot of worthiness, worthiness issues and idea that it's about capitalism, economics and stuff like that. And I just, I immediately pushed her into having clients, you know, I was like, give me a list of five people. <laughs> nice. Now, call each one. Of yeah. Them. Get three of them as clients. Go. <laughs> and then she did and she would. Right. And it was so easy because right. she didn't. She had all these incredible gifts, but she wasn't using them because they were locked up in her self-esteem and different issues, you know, but I took over the executive part of that and made her do like, so my, the thing that I just naturally wanted was her to be in her greatness because her greatness was my greatness. Yeah, not, it wasn't even, her greatness wasn't my greatness. Her greatness was proof. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, reality matching what I felt already to be the case. I mean, and so she would do it and it would just be this, it would just be like making her do something that was at her edge and then her going to do it and back having done it was like pure erotic pleasure. Oh, wow. That is fascinating. Wow. Oh my God. What, a, what an amazing confluence of Tanya, your energy healing background and Leslie, like your coaching background and then like these archetypes emerging. It's unbelievable all these factors that just like met. It was like a, a you know a million pronged puzzle pieces right. that seemed to Absolutely. click in it with each other. It felt. It, I mean, it, it was very clear to both of us from that first night. Like, whoa, something major just happened. Yeah. Major for us and major for the world. And we don't know exactly what that means, but it was very. It was very clear that something powerful really opened. Yeah. Well, so what did the process look like of both of you having your individual coaching and uh, energy healing practices that morphing into giving the well, joint light? Well, uh, to clarify, I didn't energy. have a practice at the time. I was a you know a broke single mom on welfare who was pretty convinced I had nothing to offer the world that anyone would ever want to pay me money for or actually consider to be valuable in any real way. Um, I had, I, I was doing a little better a couple of years before that, but I'd kind of gone through a big crash and, emotionally and, um, and I was, you know, still kind of coming out of that when I met Leslie and the reawakening of my darkness was a lot of the actual coming out of that. Um, but you know, that was, that was one of the things that was so stunning for me being on the submissive end of it. And, you know, with that, that questioning of how do light and dark come together for me being being completely like owned and dominated in these very like energetically dark ways that are so outside the box of what society normally thinks is okay. I'm like, I mean, we were both raised with feminist backgrounds, you know, and we're like running things in a way that like it's really not okay to our conscious minds. And yet it was like, but this is what's real. And this is what wants to happen between us. And then to discover that that, is actually not being used to grind me down, but rather to build me up and have me be well, grinding, grinding down, but it was grinding down the parts of me that were resistant and the, the parts of me that were actually resistant to Which standing in so my full power. Much fun. 
<laughs> it's like it's like you know in some ways i mean i did because my coaching practice completely changed after that because i was immediately going towards like suddenly the you know before it was like how do we get past the fear and anger and trauma of the past in order to get to where you want to be right this now it went from that to what's your most terrifying memory let's go there <laughs> like what's the most thing going on mm, yeah excellent <laughs> you know like, yeah like, he saw yeah. the world so completely <laughs> different you know from that place so it was yeah the the the, the, the thing that we started to discover there's these terms in, in BDSM that, that really help understand some of these things of like sadism, the desire to hurt and destroy, which I totally, before this experience, had no concept. Well, I had very little concept of, I had some, I had a little bit of concept of that, but never really understanding like how that would be a good thing overall <laughs> for anybody. And, and like to see it, come out and just I mean I knew destruction could be really good but like to see that part of me that just loves to destroy and humiliate server was was you know it was kind of it's like 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 the 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 thing that happened in our relationship was the thing to show us like oh my god this is the stuff that this is how you meet the dark this is how you meet the things that are not allowed the things that are hidden on the other side of ourselves gosh I was just having a it just like kind of a flash of understanding my own exploration of bdsm and kink like a lot of folks myself included included will use it strictly for pleasure and i think that's awesome because i don't know pleasure is a really great part of life but like i guess what i'm seeing is you would use the like quote-unquote dark parts of yourself and desires in order for each other's transformation or i don't know what what best word to use there growth transcendence spiritual awakening or whatever yeah, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that we that we talk about a lot with our work. So our work, you know, in, in the beginning, we were very much using BDSM as a like as a major factor in our work. And it's continued to play a role in but not but the you know, there's a lot to be said and we won't probably get into it here, but there's there are ways that we hold it that are different from the overall kink community. And I'm kind of using those terms BDSM and kink interchangeably. Um, and like you said, there are a lot of people who are doing it primarily for pleasure or people who are doing it primarily as an identity or primarily it's like a sexual orientation. And what we're doing is really about the transformation. It's really about like, but the thing that we're always interested in is not like what's a role that you can go into that has get off, but it's like, what's actually the real thing that's arising here in us? In this moment and how do we use those rather than trying to make them something else or squash them or make them nicer or pretend they're not there how do we actually go all the way with them and use them to find the deepest transformation possible and we're both you know personal growth junkies and we've been through tons and tons of programs and modalities and you know had, had done a lot of work on ourselves and i think for both of us from the get-go when we started actually opening to these really dark places within ourselves it was so much deeper and so much faster than anything that we had done anywhere else and that's one of the biggest pieces of feedback that we consistently get from students that come through our programs is they're like wow i've been doing personal growth work for 20 years and this intro course just blew my mind it touched things that i've like never never been able to touch in any other course you know we, we hear that really regularly 
And that's part of the power of actually turning towards rather than away from those things that, that, that we or society say are not okay. Yeah. So is that what you would call darkness uh, when you use the word dark, the things that either we say is not okay or society tells us is not yeah, okay within and, ourselves? And, and what we don't know. Like, like what we're in, like you can identify, like basically that what we're talking about darkness is like everything about yourself that you don't know, you know? And from the place we're talking about it, like pure subjective reality, everything about yourself you don't know is everything about the universe you don't know, right? Inside and out, right? And the thing that makes our work, like that made it so powerful for us to step into the dark and what's so powerful to embody the dark is it, when you do it, you, you like when you, when you embody a part, it's like this part of myself that's so that, that just wants to destroy people, but I can never go there. I can never, I can never be violent because I'd be a bad person. Nothing good would come of it. So I have to shut this part down because clearly it can never come out. Like that's the thought process. That's the pattern over it. Right. And then you put, you find yourself in a situation in our workshop where you're, you know, invited to hurt someone and they're like a yes to it. <laughs> you know, like we built up to this moment and you're like, okay, here's the spot. And you let it out and you have the experience of like actually giving that part permission to come out and what we project. So, you know, kind of the reason we call ourselves the light dark Institute is in the light we project so easily on the bad, like, uh, you know, we, we look at the spots inside of ourselves and outside of ourselves as like some, there's something wrong here and fixed, changed, adjusted, you know? Um, and, and we love, it's, this isn't to dismiss light work, you know what I mean? The epitome of light work would be like nonviolent communication, you know, adjusting your communication so things work. This is like, functional reality human human experience you know how do we how do we actually like get through our obstacles and our challenges to actually meet each other and be healthy yummy individuals awesome light work dark work here's the founding foundation of dark work there's nothing wrong with you at all and any part of you thinks there's something wrong with you is actually an internal sadist who's like you know ripping some part of you and that's awesome <laughs> It's like, you don't even have to fix that. The only key thing here, and this is what I love about our work, what I loved about this, this discovery that we had is that, because the reason I never went towards the dark was if I felt like it was nauseating, disgusting, awful, it was never going to end, and I hate it. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's just, it's like, I got to meditate for five hours a day, and maybe one day I'll be enlightened and finally free of it, right? And what this discovery that we had was like, no, I don't go towards the dark to heal and to be better. I go towards the dark because it's so pleasurable. The gateway in doesn't look good because the gateway in says, no, no, if you go there, you'll be hated. You'll, you'll, you'll discover yourself to be that thing you hate. And then that's, that's like the worst hell ever from, from the part of you that's entering. But once you get to the other side, it's just pure fulfillment. It's pure fulfillment of just childhood desires and you know, hidden desires from yourself coming through and actually being fulfilled. So what we're, what we, the, like the bulk of our work is creating consensual experiences for these other parts in each other, in ourselves, to come out and meet each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you, 
What do you make of like, um, so for some folks, these desires are tied to uh, erotic energy or like sexual desire. And, but I assume not for everybody. Do you make anything of like that distinction or if you're working with folks, does it not matter if like, for me, I take, I I get eroticized if I am receiving pain, but for Tom next to me, he receives pain. Maybe he likes it, but it's not sexual at all. Is, do you make a distinction between that at all? Oscar Wilde has a great quote that says, everything is about sex for sex. And that's about power. (laughs) <laughs> that encompasses our philosophy cool. <laughs> so there yeah. really is a way yeah. that we that we actually don't define lines around what is sex and what is erotic um, and it didn't come from that quote we found that quote later we're like oh that was very in alignment with our philosophy it's really ultimately like if you think about it, there there is a way that like, everything we do actually is sexual in some way whether we're going towards it or going away from it or, you know, like trying to like clamp down on that part of ourselves. Like there's there and, and the lines between what actually qualifies as erotic or sexual, what stimulates your genitals and what, what brings in that kind of sense of like a flush of excitement or enjoyment. You know, we use the term get off a lot. Like how do you get off on these dark parts of yourselves? But it doesn't necessarily mean like, how do you get off with your genitals in a sexual sense? It just means like that sense of, of get off and pleasure like that, that can be everywhere in our lives. It's not actually limited to what is sexual. So we don't really draw a line. Yeah. Just, just to add into it, it's like civilization, you know, Freud talks about this is like civilization is created by, by drawing that line between sexual and non-sexual. Right. It's like, between, between like the, the dark lust, the animal self, and then the civilized self. So we draw this line and we say a civilized person is all these good things and an uncivilized person is all these bad things. And we welcome the civilized person and we, you know, we either have institutions or, you know, ways of punishing or ways of educating or training out the bad, the bad part, the, the uncivilized, the sexual, and, and sex is a huge part of that. So, so we don't, when you're looking in the dark lens, you see the civilized ones and they're just like, oh, you know, like, like everything can be seen as sexual once you look through that lens, you know, because even, even somebody's like, oh, I'm, I'm this pure angel who doesn't have a single sexual thought. It's like, oh, so hot. Little creature, you. <laughs> what I love to do to all that innocence. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right got it okay cool and well I'm, I'm wondering for for you two has the when you two relate uh exploring your own darkness is it of still of the same or similar flavor to that that first night a couple years ago when the door burst open or has it evolved into different mm-hmm. forms awesome. of Thank energetic exchange so funny. sometimes when we tell the story where we got started, we get excited about that. And then we move on to other things and we forget to come back and mention that a lot has changed since then. <laughs> People are like, well, you guys don't seem like you're doing that. Um, <laughs> and sometimes we are. What What's true for us is from the get-go, the interest has been in what is the most real thing. 
what is the real thing that's arising and how do you take that and turn up the heat and and really find like all the power and the magic that's there and so in the beginning we were in that really really strong ds dom sub dynamic where leslie was the dom and i was the sub and it went it was very one directional for quite a while for many months we were in that and then at some point it started to shift naturally and that, at that point i had built a lot of power primarily through in you know in a way you could see that everything he was doing by taking ownership of me was also deeply in service to me because he was helping me build up these parts of myself that i had been unable to build myself through all my years of work and everything I'd been doing. I just like, there were some of these spots that were just not shifting or growing. And then he was able to come in and apply the pressure through ownership of like, I could do things for him that I couldn't get myself to do for myself, like clients, for example. Um, and, and so after he had, he had actually helped me build enough power, I was starting to kind of become this dragon in my life. And at the same time, there were places where kind of the, the, the softer, you know, gentler, weaker, needier parts of him were wanting to be held. And we realized at one point that there was actually a way that there was a, a dynamic shift happening between us and that there was actually a part of him that was making me mom. And there was a part of me that was like, you know, kind of getting off on having some authority and this was in the midst of like we were we were technically still him as the dom and me as the sub but when we realized that that was happening we were like okay rather than trying to force ourselves into these roles that we're actually starting to naturally grow out of what happens if we explore the new thing that's emerging and went into it very intentionally we went into an actual overt play of me being mom and him being a little boy and I actually have a son. I am a mom. And it's not an erotic territory that it ever occurred to me to explore, nor to him. Like, neither of us would have thought that we would be drawn to a mommy-son dynamic as, like, an erotic or exciting thing. But when we went there, it was so hot and so much fun. And it was like, you know, all of a sudden, all these parts of me that hadn't been expressed in our relationship up until then, and all these parts of him, it was like all of a sudden I could look at him and be like, oh, is my little boy being needy? Well, you know what? You're not going to get a kiss from me until you do exactly what I want you to do. You're going to be a good boy, and you're going to go get mommy a plate of food, and you're going to bring it back, and you're going to rub my feet, and then I'll pet you on the face and tell you what a good little boy you are. <laughs> and so for me, it was like all of a sudden this part, this part, these parts of me that like actually really want to be served and want to take control and want to like, you know, play with and mold someone myself to come online. And then those, those softer, tender parts of him got to be held. And so once, once that flip happened, that kind of was like the, that like was the turning point for things to start shifting and moving around a lot more rapidly in our relationship. And after that, it's basically like the whole remainder of our relationship has been kind of a very fluid exploration where we've gone through a number of different formations. We've had periods where we're in a particular dynamic for a stretch of time, or it, which is included like, can we be in complete equal space where neither one of us is taking smidgen of power or giving even a smidgen of power which is actually really challenging if you ever try it in a relationship um, we've done a lot of explorations with power and with darkness but it really became a much more like nowadays it's really moment by moment it's like you know 
by all accounts and purposes, I think from the outside, we look like a pretty kind of quote unquote normal vanilla couple, but then something will happen where all of a sudden I notice like, Oh, I'm trying to control him. And like, instead of being like, Oh, let me try to, you know, stop controlling you. I'll just be like, Oh, I want you to get down on your knees and do what I want you to do right now. You know, or, uh, you know, or he'll notice that, you know, it's like we, we can just play with these parts or I'll notice I'm being really needy. And instead of trying to stop being needy, I'll just be like, won't you just please pay attention to me? Won't you just stop looking at what you're doing and just pay attention to me, please. So now we're just in this kind of continual fluid exploration of whatever, whatever is real. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, lots of questions are coming up. Um, one is, so I think for a lot of people, there's this shame of expression that can come up around even like um, get, getting into character, getting into whether it's the character of the dark beast or the character of the mother or whatever. And I'm curious if you have uh, thoughts on how to move through that shame of um, really embodying and, and going for the the archetype that wants to come through. Yeah, I mean, that. this is part of the, the reason we set up workshops where there's people can have experiential experience with this, because I'm gonna put words to this, but if you don't have any like, embodied experience with what I'm about to say, it's gonna sound like really strange to you. <laughs> and because in order to move through that shame, you're, you, you need, so basically our work is really about finding the hidden pleasure and what you're currently doing right and i think there's there's two things that can there's there's just two big subject headings that can stop you on your way to being who you are right and like um it's like fear and shame right fear is like just the pure like i don't know if i'm enough i don't know if they'll be there if anything will happen when i get there you know or what if something comes out of me that i you know, whatever it is, right? Like, and then it leads, that fear just bleeds right into shame, which is like, oh God, what if I'm a terrible person? And what if I'm not, an, you know, like it, it goes into like seeing yourself as a, as a creature, you know, a, a social creature that has to interact with others. You might not, you might discover you are something that you aren't, or that's not acceptable in the world or whatever it is. So those are kind of the gates that we have to pass through. And the fear part is like, you know, I, I, we use this quote, Fritz Perl said, fear is excitement without breath. You know, so fear is just like, you got to learn how to move through fear. You know, you know how to go to a roller coaster, you know how to jump off a cliff, you know how to jump off, you know what I mean? Whatever you use to go through fear, you just got to learn how to do it. And then, and then the shame part is like, this is the part that gets weird for people. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> you know, like it's like, yeah, there's parts of it that, you know, our little our little ones inside just want to be loved, right? But they also want to be cool and different and whatever it is, you know? And there's like deep pleasure in that. You know, there's pleasure in being bizarre and weird. There's a lot of like embarrassment is also profound, like it, it can be an incredibly fulfilling experience. So, like in BDSM, there's a lot of archetypes of like, you know, the gimp or like, you know, humiliating the sub and just, you know, people really getting off on it. And that's open to everyone, actually. That's not only for people who, you know, happen to discover that they like that. You know, sometimes that's opened up through trauma and sometimes it's just opened up through natural preference or whatever it is. But everyone has access to really finding the joy of humiliation because if you're already doing it, 
inside. So if you feel shame about something, you are, you, some part of you, the way we look at this is like some part of you is shaming another part of you. If you can get in access with that one, it's like, okay, I'm going to come out and be this mom. But if I'm a mom to him, like, oh God, that means that like, I like that. And that means like, I'm, I'm a pedophile or something like that. Like, I don't know what the thought would come, but like, let's say it's like, that means I'm a pedophile and then people will be disgusted. And then you can imagine yourself being seen as like, oh, like a cougar mom is probably a better one if I'm going to mom. Like you're this cougar mom for young boys. Like what is wrong with you? It's disgusting. It's like, yes, I'm a cougar. You know, like, like, like claiming and owning that in the face of like what you actually are, right? And you can play with these psychologically and sometimes you can get a lot of headway with it and it's really awesome. But the thing we most recommend is a full embodiment. And full embodiment with yourself is awesome. Full embodiment with somebody else, even better. So sometimes there's an archetype blocking you from the archetype you're headed towards. You know? So, and, and you can play with that. You know, light work is like kind of like, if it, 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 I'm, I'm going to just take a reach out there that you best know what projection is. Light work is like trying to end projection or take responsibility that you project on people, that they are actually their own whole universe and whatever you think of them is actually not true. Right? Dark work is about projecting, project, consensually project on a person. So if you're ashamed of yourself, you can have someone shame you for you. You can give them the, the, the it's like, oh God, I'm ashamed that I'm, a, I'm this person's like, will you, will you do this for me so I can feel it? Because I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm locked in. I feel either the, the one shaming myself and the one being shamed. I'm not actually feeling the full pleasure of it. Or, uh, uh, and, and then another method which is just is just like embodiment of it. It's like I'm a disgusting person. I want this. It's so gross. God, oh, like letting it. But you gotta like let it come through. And, and and for some people, it's like some parts are gonna be really easy. For some people, for some parts, you know. But not all parts are gonna be really easy. Some parts are gonna like oh, be really scary. And I just want to like, if you are for, for, since I'm answering this question for listeners, it's like, if you are encountering those spots, just know fear is awesome. You can be terrified, you can be supported and you can be loved through it. And like the key thing is like, can you create a situation with, you know, either alone or with somebody else where you feel totally safe to be you and then go there. Right. Oh boy. Yeah. That's, I, I love this ethos that, I'm getting from both of you of not just noticing what wants to come up in the present, but noticing it and then like diving into it fully and like really getting in there. And I feel like there's a lot of a lot of trust in there because I can I can speak from personal experience. Like I know that I have a sadist, like some kind of like animal in me that wants to kill, uh, wants to rip out throats and it's it's violent and it feels super good. And I'm beginning to explore this, but there's fear around, I guess, any dark side of myself of, can I trust it? Like, can I, can I trust that if I release to it, good will come of it? And it seems like when both of you are speaking of some of the examples in your dynamic, even if there's like this dark thing that you submit to, it seems to ultimately have some empowering intention for, for each other. And, but that doesn't seem like a given to me. Like I could, it doesn't seem like a given that the the creature, Leslie, that you were speaking about at the beginning would want to empower um, Tani. Like what if it just wanted to like destroy her and cut her down? Uh, or maybe it doesn't work that way. I don't know. But I guess I'm just, 
speaking to a fear of surrendering and trusting the darkness? I love, I love that question. And yeah, so we, when we first started off doing our work, we worked primarily with individuals and couples for a long time before we started working with groups. And then the past couple of years, we've been really focused primarily in like group workshops and, and group experiences, although still working at the individual level as well. And I will tell you every time or almost every time, I would say probably every time that we work with individuals, that's always a fear. Like we do, we do a, our deep dive experience and we do an intensive called the light dark experience where we're alone with one client or one couple for three days nights and we go very very deep with them and we're in play directly with them ourselves and in the course of that and I mean it's like massive life-changing transformation that comes out of these experiences and in that you know and we we put a lot of work into the lead up to it and people you know we, we get into their whole life history and they set intentions for their lives but even with all that and the sense of trust built between us there's always a point where they're like if I cross that threshold like they're like, no, you guys don't understand. I'm going to actually hurt someone. Like it's not okay to go there. And we see that over and over and over again. And, and yet we have taken people across that threshold and we've taken ourselves across that threshold over and over and over again. And we find that every time without fail, it's different than what people think is going to happen. When you actually let yourself go there fully, something arises that we've taken to calling the care of not caring that when we actually let ourselves go to our most like violent, selfish, just like it is for me and my pleasure and I don't give a fuck about anyone else, but we let ourselves go there with approval. And that's the really big difference. We let ourselves go there consciously and with enough approval that we can stay paying attention during it. What always arises is actually a deep sense of care. And it may not look like care, it may look like something really different than what we normally think of as care, but it always winds up serving the other person as well. And that's one of the real tricks with it. Like when we feel that, you know, when we look out at people who are actually like really doing non-consensual harm in the world, there tends to be a, an idea that it's because, you know, well, they're just letting this, you know, these violent or sadistic or whatever parts of themselves are, or violating parts of themselves just run wild. And we tend to think that, you know, oh God, if I did that, might I go there too? But the thing is what's, what's happening in most of those cases, A, it's mostly people who've, you know, been victims of those kinds of violence and, and violations themselves. And, and there's, actual, there's actually often a, a huge amount of disapproval for that in themselves because there's disapproval for the ones who did that to them. And so there's like, like a pushing it away. And as long as you're pushing away a part of yourself, you can't actually see it. And you can't actually remain conscious while it's acting. But when we actually consciously turn towards those dark places, and as scary and terrifying as it is, we let ourselves cross over that edge. There, but we are able to stay conscious during it. And that makes all the difference. And that makes it so that then all of a sudden those parts that seem just like totally self-serving, and they are. But, there, but there's something, it's like what Leslie was talking about when, he, when I was his talisman in our early DS. It, it's like, you don't want to break your toy. You know, you're like, this is my precious thing that I get to annihilate and destroy and remake however I want to make it. 
like I want to destroy. And, and then it's like the most amazing visions come out of you. It's like, I know for myself, because in our work with, with individuals, we, you know, we're in play with people and I have quite a vicious humiliator inside of me who comes out when there's like a spot that ain't going to budge any other way. Then it's like this one, it's like, I can taste the blood in my mouth, you know, I'm like, Oh God, I'm terrified every time. Even now, I'm like, oh God, am I really going to go here? It always seems like a terrible idea to let this one loose. But when I go there and, you know, and then I like, and then she like shreds the person and like just takes them to their knees and they're like a, you know, sniveling pile of snot and tears. Then they finally get to actually get free in this spot because one of the things that happens is like, we've been, we've been guarding our whole lives around like, I don't want to be. I don't want to be seen this way or I don't want to be hurt in this place. And then if somebody actually comes in and shines the spotlight on that and, and sees us there or, you know, quote unquote, hurts us in that way, all of a sudden we don't have to defend against it anymore. And there's a tremendous release and relaxation that comes from that. And so it seems like the most counterintuitive, crazy thing in the world. But when we actually let ourselves go there all the way and we're conscious, we inevitably wind up serving the other person and taking them to their deepest point of transformation too. Yeah. I, I think the, the thing I want to add to that, because just answering another the kind of beginning part of your question was, um, or, or maybe I don't even know if this was in your question exactly, but it's like, it's like when you have this part of yourself that's like, Oh my God, I don't know if I can't, I can't let this out because it'll hurt people. So you know, what happens in those circumstances in our experience is that you then put, it's like putting a lid on a boiler, you know, it's like, and the desires are still there and they may not come out in the ways that you feared, but they can come out in self-sabotage. They can come out in, you know, resentment, aggression that you weren't planning. And they, they come, they come out no matter what. And they come out in ways that are actually not like they're out of control because they're like, it's like you cage something up for so long and then when it, the, 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 finally the permission to let it out comes, it like comes out and it's like, and then you're like, Oh my God, why did I do that? And you have all these identity crises or whatever it is. You know, like, oh my God, why do, why do I keep taking myself down? Well, you keep taking yourself down because the cage you built for the animal, that creature inside doesn't work for it anymore. You know? And so it's like, it's like on the one hand, and this is kind of, a, it's, it's kind of a bind, which is why we were really interested. It's like light and dark on the one hand. Um, yeah, it's scary to let that creature out, but it's going to come out anyway. And when you let it out all the way, if you're not pushing it away, it doesn't push the one that it's interacting with away. So in other words, if you're pushing your sadist away and it comes out, it, it's like the way it expresses is then you're pushing that person away, like which... You can do in a sense of like play, like you worthless piece of shit, you know, like letting that like projection out, but you're doing it in such a way that you're, you're realizing like, this is the desire and I'm letting it come through as opposed to like, you better make room for me. You better not reject me. Like that, like we see a lot of people when they first come out with their dark creatures, they're like, you're a fucker for rejecting me. Like you better not, you know, like they come out actually not with the dark creature, but a different one who's saying like, Wait, 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 I'm gonna clear this space. Everybody listen up. I'm a victim, and so you gotta be really, really extra receptive to me. Otherwise, I'm gonna go away, so fuck you, kind of thing. Like, you know, we have these like, we have these mediators who come out when we first go in the dark, and they're actually like, they're not the creature we're letting out, they're someone else, you know? 
they're, they're the ones that were, you know, stuffing us down and then we project that onto the person. Whereas when we really let the creature out, when, it, when it's like, okay, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just let it come out and see what happens and trust myself and trust you. And we use tools of BDSM like safe words and negotiations to help, especially with really new parts coming through to like really create a sense of safety and consensuality. You know, so like we definitely recommend, you know, some tools when you're going to spots that you feel like really unknown about. Um, but, 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 but ultimately I, I like, ultimately if you really just fully trust yourself to go there, it's like, it's going to be awesome. Like, yeah. We actually are just pure love. That creature was created out of pure love for yourself, either in response to a trauma or response to a social dynamic that like stuffed you for years. So you created that internal dynamic in order to live through it. And when it comes out, it's actually just a part of you that's a full expression that wants to be connected to and be connected with. So, so that's what we're always rediscovering is that we actually, the best part about being human is being connected. And that's what leads us to talking about the, the dark, you know, one of the things we want to talk about is the dark text because we created this map of dark archetypes that help us see, like, come back to that foundational, like, we have all these dark strategies to try to get what we want, and at the core of it, it's connection. Got it. Wow. So do, would you say everyone contains all of the dark archetypes within them, or or you've just noticed them through different people, and each of us might connect with one or two of them or something? It's our belief that we all have all of them. And we invite people to explore that for themselves and not take our word for it because people may, may feel like they're like, yeah, you know, sure. I know I've got these ones, but that one, I just don't connect with it. And that's totally fine. Like not everybody may feel an overt sense of connection to every one of them. And we almost always have a few that we're like, oh yeah, I know I do that. We might have some that we're like, oh yeah, I'm actually in approval of that part of myself. And then other ones that we're like, oh hell no, like just nobody think of me that way, please just no, don't tell me I'm that. So in, in our work over, over the years of working with individuals and observing ourselves, we created a list of the, the list of dark archetypes, which, you know, have been lovingly dubbed the dark archetypes. Um, they, it's really an infinite list. It's really anything, you know, like we were saying, our, our definition of darkness is anything that you don't have approval for or can't see. So pretty much anything that falls in that category, anything you could imagine could be a dark type. But we have a list, a core list of 10 that we use in our workshops and in our, um, in our coaching and in our offerings. And those include some things like the needy wretch, the violent destroyer, the taking violator, uh, the dominating controller. So there's, you know, there, there, there are a number of kind of like core energies that we have found that, and we actually have, like Leslie was saying, we have a whole map of how they're connected to each other and whatnot. Um, and we find that those, those core, like everything else in some way connects to those and maybe like a combination of several of them. And so, you know, back to your question about how to get people to actually explore these parts of themselves that might seem scary and how to start embodying them. We work a lot with the dark types. That's really how we help people start embodying and start finding seeing these, them. start seeing them because, because since the darkness really is about what's unknown, you know, oftentimes we're in, the, we're in there, we're like, well, I know there's parts of myself that I'm not in approval for, and I might be really aware of what a few of them are, but I might also, there might be others that I'm not even in touch with. And that's where the dark types are really helpful because they give people a place to, to start and to, to 
you know, begin to see. And it, we also have so much fun with them. Like people think it's going to be so scary to explore these spots. And it is, it's scary to push those edges. But one of the things, one of the really consistent pieces of feedback we get as well is about how much fun people have at our workshops. They're like, well, I never, I never thought that not only could I have felt so safe doing this, but that it would be so fun while being so deeply transformational and the archetypes are a big part of that we really go in there and we really have fun you know with everybody finding their needy wretch just like won't you just give me approval please love me I just I just really need it no that's not enough no more please you know or, or whatever it is like we were we, you know everybody gets laughing and then there's like this sense of like oh right like I've, I've spent my whole life not wanting to be seen as needy but actually like not only do I have that, but so does everybody else in this room. And it's not that big deal. It's actually really funny. And actually, if I let it out all the way, it can bring me connection that I'm always wanting. <laughs> it's like when I'm trying to keep the cap on it, that it feels weird and people don't like it. But if I let it out all the way, it's actually very endearing. So people, people really come to love the archetypes, and it's a real helpful pathway to both learning how to embody them and to find a lot of like humor and approval and enjoyment of the darker aspects of ourselves. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, okay. Yeah. Now I know we're at time and I, I'm wondering, Leslie and Tani, where, where can folks find you? And I know you're in a process of evolution, but why um, might folks want to look you up? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, we, we can be found online at lightdarkinstitute.com. It's all one word, lightdarkinstitute.com. And we are, it's true. We're in, we're actually in the process of a big redesign right now because we're, um, all of our courses were selling out really rapidly. And so we're in the process of expanding our offerings to work with larger off larger audiences. And so things are in a transition at the moment. We're still doing work with individuals and couples. So if anybody's out there is interested in a really deep dive, we have our deep dive individualized intensives available at the moment. And then we will be announcing our new course offerings soon, uh, but they're not quite ready at the moment. So definitely stay tuned if you're interested join our mailing list on our website and you will be the first to know when we actually get our new line of offerings up and ready. It's going to be good. <laughs> wow. Uh, I want to truly give both of you such a genuine thanks for both taking the time to talk and just being so um, honest. And I, I just really could feel your energy behind everything you're saying. And th this conversation is so important to me because uh, it's been such a challenging part of my path historically trying to figure out how to place my interest in BDSM into my own spiritual framework. And it's been coming along uh, the past year, but like so many years of torture and just seeing you two as like exemplary models of integration. I, I really appreciate the time getting to know you and your viewpoints. Hey friends, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got something out of this episode. I know that I sure had a blast with it. If you enjoy this podcast, please head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. I'm offering an exchange right now where, if it feels in alignment for you to give this podcast five stars, then send me a message on Facebook, let me know you did it, and then I'll sit down, take some time to grok your profile, and I will write you a thoughtful and sincere compliment. Truly, please take me up on it. And if this episode touched on something you think a friend might find titillating, pass it on to them too and i just want to say i bring my utmost sincerity to each of these conversations and i really do want to spread vibes and information that cause people to reflect and deepen and just live a more honest kind and vivacious life because i really believe that 
the state of the world needs everything that we can give it. It needs people to be at full capacity. It needs people to be living their life fully and giving their greatest positive impact to humanity. And so if I can just flick over one domino with this podcast that flicks over a couple more that lead people into living their life fully and giving back to the earth, then by Jove, man, I will be a happy dude. So trying to do my part here and any help, love, and support, I would just so greatly appreciate. And at the very least, I am super appreciated that you listened to this episode and much love, folks. I'll see you next time.